0: Right now, looking at not taking things for granted. And um, th- this uh, I usually p- prepare my messages usually months in advance and preparing for uh, the series that w- what we'll be doing and trying to get the artwork to everybody. So we're kind of usually ahead of the game uh, on that aspect. But, but this message has been heavy on my heart. Um, because this topic, I think, whether or not you're looking to get married, um, or you are married, or maybe you've struggled through a marriage. Maybe uh, a marriage didn't work out, and um, you're you're looking for answers and looking for answers in the Word of God. And maybe maybe you're here today, and and uh, you, you're following the Lord, but maybe your your spouse isn't, and there's a lot of struggles within that. Well, I, I want to give you some hope today that there's hope in the Word of God to to show us God's designed for marriage and and just everybody right now just take a deep breath go right because when we hit on this topic I know that it can hit on a lot of stuff and I know it can bring up a lot of past stuff and regrets and guilt and pain or maybe you're in a marriage right now and on the outside Everybody else may think hey you guys have a great marriage but you know on the inside it's not going as as well. And so what I want us to do today is to is to look at God's word and see God's design for marriage and to allow you to realize you are not alone. And in our world today, I would say there's a lot of confusion about marriage, a lot of confusion about why we get married, a lot of confusion about our roles in marriage. I mean, what is my role as the man? What is my role as, as, as the wife? And we seem to jump into this marriage thing just like, yeah, everything's going to be great and wonderful, right? And we just love each other, right? And then things just don 't seem to work we, we, we lose our way we, we We take each other for granted we, we seem to allow little things to really mount up and make big things um, in, in in our marriages and so listen i 've got i 'm going to unlock two things for you today that I believe will help you whether or not you 're looking to get married or you 're single or you 're married now and I believe these two keys that we can find. In the Word of God today, we'll help unlock some things in your marriage to make your marriage better. How many how how many of us understand we can always make our marriage better? Hit your spouse and say, Yeah, honey, listen, okay, we can make it better. Don't don't let's not settle, okay, for just The same old, same old... Let's not sell... Because that's when we morph back into taking each other for granted. So let's dive into God's word. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's speaking here. We're going to specifically look at at verses 22 through 33. Um, If you want to use the Bibles and the seats in front of you, you can. You can turn to page 635 and we'll be in Ephesians all together. You can look at the screens. You can look at your mobile devices. Whatever you got... Look at the word of God here, because I believe this gives us some answers. So Paul here, specifically speaking to wives and husbands, in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5, says this. Wives, submit your husband as to the Lord. Okay, everybody take a deep breath right now. Ready? Whew. The we hear that word submit, everybody's like, okay, here we go. Right? We're going to unpack all this. Everybody, just, Will you just settle down right now? Just settle down, okay? We're going to unpack this. Verse 23, for the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, which he is Savior, now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, let's, now we're moving on to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Isn't it funny that Paul didn't mention to the wives to love their husbands, but he tells the husbands to love their wives? It's very interesting there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Who do you think has the greater spiritual responsibility there in the relationship? The husband does. He's he's covering that relationship. Verse 27. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or without any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one's ever hated his own body, but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. We're members of his body. For this reason, quoting back from Genesis, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to the wife, and the two shall become One flesh. Now, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Lord, I just pray today that you would just give us your wisdom. And I know here today, God, there's many that are struggling, hurting, or from their past, God, I pray that we would just see your word and you would bring healing and understanding so that we would move forward and obey you and follow your command on what it means to have a marriage that honors you. I pray for every couple here today. I pray for every single person here today. I pray for every person here today that has gone through a rough marriage. And I pray that you would just bring your healing and understanding here today, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. It's your word, God. We give it all authority It's perfect in every way. Thank you, God, that you're the one that has designed marriage. Help us to listen to you and not the voice of the world on what you desire for us here today. So we thank you for this now. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, so now let's, let's be honest this morning. How many of you at one time or another have ever felt you were taken advantage of, or maybe taken for granted in your marriage. We've all felt that way at one time or another. And and it kind of reminds me taking someone for granted. The epitome of this reminds me of a 1970 TV show. Look up at the screen here. How many remember this? Okay. You got Archie there, right? You got Edith, got Gloria, and you got Meathead, right? You got Mike the Meathead, right? And, uh, how many if you've ever watched the show, how many of you know that, that that Archie was the king of his castle, right? And Edith would always be running around frantic, and Archie would get home and he'd sit down and she'd have to give him his beer, right? He was just he was always yelling. He was kind of the, the king of the castle. And if there's an epitome of of taking someone for granted, you know, you would definitely see this in in this uh, in this in this TV show. And and if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves. Most of us, when we entered in our marriage relationship, we didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue, and we had a lot of misunderstanding of what marriage was all about. So let's 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 dig into this. All right, we can take Archie down. Say bye to Archie. Bye, Archie. All right. Um, I had a neighbor who had a parrot named Archie. I just I don't know why I said that. It was kind of funny. He'd walk around the street with a parrot on his shoulder. It was really funny. Why did I just say that? I have no idea where I just, things just pop in my head. I have no idea. But if we're honest with ourselves, we have no clue when we enter into our marriage relationship. And, and, and for most of us, either we didn't have a good example of a marriage or we were never taught uh, what makes a, a good marriage. And uh, pastoring 26 years, um, I, I do a lot of premarital classes with couples who want to get married. And what I have them do is I have them fill an application, just kind of give me their background and understanding and where they are spiritually with their walk with the Lord and their understanding of marriage. And and one of the questions I'll ask them is, have you read any books or have taken any classes or listened to to any CDs or or messages or anything else on marriage to help you to prepare um, for your wedding day? And the sad thing, the majority of couples don't. They don't really prepare. They, they know they're, they're in love, they're dating, and they know they want to get married. They know they have this commitment. They, they, they spell that out very clearly in the application. But any kind of preparatory action taken by the couple uh, about getting married usually is non-existent. And so I think when we come in, we're going to come in with a lot of stuff that if we don't deal with, we're going to bring into our married relationships. And it's interesting because how many of us would buy a car or a house or make a huge investment and know nothing about it? I mean, that's not a good idea. When you buy a house, you want to have it inspected. You want to make sure that the house isn't going to fall apart. When you buy a car, you want to make sure you're, you're not getting a lemon, right? There's lemon laws to protect us from that. Um, you know, there, 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 there's, there's an understanding that if I'm making this big investment, I, I want to do some background checking on this. And getting married is the biggest decision you'll make in your life. You're committing yourself to this person for the rest of your life. A car is only going to last so many years. So, we falsely believe that I love you and that's all that matters. Let's take a vote on that. How many know that doesn't necessarily work, right? See, marriage takes work and, and you have to maintain a marriage. Try not putting oil in a car for a couple of years and see how far you get. See, many marriages come to a screeching halt for the simple reason They never noticed the low oil light was on. They never noticed it. And the Apostle Paul gives us some, I believe the Apostle Paul gives us some incredible insight into marriage in his letter to the Ephesians. And what I want to do is I want to dissect this verse for you. And I want to look at two things that we can glean from in this passage. And the two things I want to look at is first, I want to look at the root of most marital issues. And the second thing I want to look at is, how do you have a spirit-filled marriage that honors the Lord? These are the two things that, that, that Paul really addresses in this verse. So let's look at the first one. Because what Paul does here, Paul quotes from the book of Genesis. And he says that a man shall do what? He shall leave his father and mother. Everybody say leave. Leave. You know what leave means? In the Hebrew language, it means to leave. (laughs) It means don't go back, right? Um, And then it says, he shall be united. Everybody say united. United to who? His wife and the two shall become one flesh. We have no idea what this means. People, listen, this is the key To a great marriage. This verse from the beginning of Genesis, the first book of the Bible describes how to have a great marriage. This is so important for us to understand because most don't understand leaving and cleaving or uniting with their spouse. I just did a wedding on Friday night. A beautiful young couple in love. Love the Lord, and they're walking down the aisle, and you got you got the dad walking his daughter down. It's just a beautiful sight. I always get you know I like weddings kill me, man. Because, you know I never cry, I never get emotional, and so when I'm at a wedding, man, I'm just a wreck, right? So I get the father and, the, and they're coming and they're already crying. So now I'm starting to get teary eyed. Then I'm looking at the I'm looking at the groom. He's crying. So you got three people in front. I'm like, oh, this is this ain't going to work. We're not going to get through the ceremony right now. And there's and at the, at this point, I ask. Who giveth this woman to be joined to this man? Her mother and I. It's an important step right here. Because what the father does at this point is he takes his daughter's hand, he gives it to her husband, they join hands, and he walks away. He walks away. His job is done. The covering the covering goes from the father the scripture tells us to the husband the responsibility of the covering is of the husband now when we see this word submit we all get crazy right we all get oh well that's that's not right and that's subserving and that's that's you know in an employee employer relationship that's not what the word of god is saying this is out of reverence to the Lord that I come under my husband's covering now, spiritual covering. Now, I have a daughter, Lily. She's 15. My daughter is under my covering. She does not submit to every man. Ain't going to happen. Okay? So if a, if, a, if a guy comes in and he likes my daughter, she ain't under his covering. She doesn't listen to him. She listens to me. I can talk about Lily because she's not in the service. Next service, I won't talk about it because she'll kill me when I get home. Dad, why are you talking about us again? I said, it keeps you guys humble, okay? That's why I do it. Do do, do you understand what I mean here? Are we on the same page? Because that's important for us to understand. There's a covering that happens. And here's here's why I'm saying why most marriages derail here and, and what's at the root of most marital problems. See God said the two shall become one flesh emotionally spiritually and physically literally become one If a couple is not united they will eventually separate If they are not united completely they will eventually separate See a Christian marriage is all about complete surrender It's it's all about a complete commitment And see, what God has ordained here in the book of Genesis is he says, catch this, it's in your notes, it's catch this. He says, a marriage is a covenant between two people. Now, a covenant is greater than a contract or a license. What makes you married? Well, I heard a pastor say it in these terms. It's it's a permanent and exclusive public legal commitment to share your lives together. Now, there's some talk in some European countries about renewable marriage marriage license what you can do is you can renew your license maybe every three years like you renew your driver's license now their thought here this is great because you leave out the divorce blah 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 if we don't want to be married we'll just not renew our marriage license cool we'll go our separate ways is that a covenant Mm. see that's not a christian marriage A Christian marriage is not a contract. And what God is saying in Genesis chapter two is this, is that two people sharing everything exclusively, it will cost you something. It will cost your life. It's not something you enter into lightly. It's a promise to give that person everything to be committed to them alone. Now let's understand this first. Let's get this because here's a reason why we don't understand this commitment because we look at our feelings first we look at our emotions. That person makes my heart go pitter patter. Right? And, and and so we. what happens is we love to romance love. Um, Taylor Swift, I just got the attention of every teenage girl in the room here. Taylor Swift, it, it, most popular scene artist right now. And she... Had one song a couple of years ago called Love Story. It sold 10 million copies. It's a song she wrote. And this is, let me read some of the lyrics to her song here. She says, Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone. I'll be waiting. All that's left to do is to run. You'll be the prince, I'll be the princess. It's a love story, baby. Just say yes. And see, what you see in the lyrics of that song is this romance. We love to romance love. Um, That's why um, we like to watch romance movies, ladies, right? And, And I can tell you the plot of every romance movie. Are you ready? Here it is. Everyone! Every single one, two people meet and then something happens at the middle where there's a misunderstanding and they get mad. They're like, Oh no, they're not going to get together. <gasps> I'm like, really Kathleen? I can tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen. Right. And then at the end they get back together. Right. I think my wife has seen Pride and Prejudice 8,000 times, okay? You got Mr. Darcy, you got Elizabeth. At the end of the movie, they meet in this moor where the fog is going. I'm like, come on. I'm looking at the kids and go, you gotta be, this doesn't happen, right? And every time. Hurr, hurr. We love to romance love, don't we? See, and we'll do this too. We'll look for signs. We'll look for signs to validate our love, right? We'll, we'll say things. Well, on that day we met, butterflies flew over our head. <laughs> and that was a sign that we were to be together, right? But see, according to scripture, let's, let's pull this back. Let's pull this back. According to scripture, love first must be a commitment before an emotion or your marriage will not last because what you'll end up doing is you'll end up looking for that romantic feeling all the time that you had at first. You'll look for the butterflies. You look for all that stuff and guess what? Life gets tough. Marriages get hard. Life doesn't always turn out the way we feel it should turn out. And if there's not a commitment to that covenant, that marriage will not last. You're, 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 you have to remember, your feelings are all over the place. One day you feel this. Another day you feel something else. We must see love this way. Love is a choice. It's a choice I make. It can't be based on these romanticized feelings, they're not going to last. It's got to be a choice. I must make a choice to unite with my spouse. And the problem is we don't understand what it means to unite with our spouse. And let me give you an example here. Whether you realize it or not, you bring a lot of stuff in to your marriage from your past. And so what we end up doing is we end up living our marriages half-hearted. Now, how many of you would say that when you got married, you still had your parents in the middle of it? Some of you are saying, I actually at my parents in the middle of that, right? See, you, here, here's where it goes wrong. What happens is you went to them with your problems. You always needed their help. And how many you know that's not a good thing? As much as dads love this, right, that his daughter still needs him, it's not good for the marriage. See, the priority now is the marriage. And anything that comes before your spouse will cause you trouble. And see, the problem I see here, it's a leaving problem. Some marriages never completely unite from the past. Some marriage are still dependent, maybe financially on their parents or emotionally dependent on their parents. And this creates a wedge within the marriage. That's why Genesis tells us, God says, you leave and you cleave or you unite with your spouse. There's a transference there. And what we tend to do in marriage is we bring our way into the marriage. But in reality, we must have a fresh start. It is the two of you making a new life together. And how many of you going into a marriage, you made this mistake. You you said, Uh, Well, this is how my family did it. This is what the woman should do. I don't do that. Men may say, "Well, I don't change uh, diapers. That's woman's work." My dad didn't change diapers. I don't do diapers. How many know that's not good? That's not going to go very far, right? And, And so this marriage issue comes down to expectations. I assume you would do this, that, and the other because my mom did this or my dad did this. And if you come into a marriage with that kind of thinking, you have never left. And this is where the expectation comes in. You may have been brought up in a family where your mom did the cleaning, cooking, taking care of the kids. And then you thought, your thought maybe was, I know my husband works hard to provide and I'm going to take care of the home. Some men have never seen the inside of a diaper yet alone change one. Some of you may have come from a home where your dad was very hands-on with the children. He changed all the diapers. He helped cook. He did all these things. See, where the breakdown comes is here. Whatever home you came from, you expect your spouse to be the same way. And when it doesn't happen, there's there's this takeaway that there's a lack of love or care for the relationship when that may not be it at all. Now, I know for Kathleen and I, when we first got married... Um, I found out real quickly that Kathleen does like, we, we, we kind of fit into our roles. She'll do the laundry, but Kathleen says, I'm not doing the ironing. So I learned real fast how to iron, right? This is just an expectation. I learned real fast how to iron. I remember we had neighbors down the street, the Dugans. Miss Dugan ironed everything. She ironed jeans, T-shirts, underwear. She, she Miss Dugan ironed Everything. I know some of you may have had a mom that just ironed everything, right? Hours of ironing. If you do that, God bless you, right? But that, that was a thing that we had an expectation. Like, hey, I, so I learned, so if my shirts are wrinkly, give me a little grace and stop judging me. Okay? Okay. And so what we do is we end up dragging all this stuff into our marriage and we place so much expectations on our spouse. My dad knew how to fix this thing. You don't. My mom was a great cook. See how far that gets you. That's it. You want to start a fight? Go right there. So my question is this. Are you ready? This is the most important thing you're going to hear in this whole message. Are you ready? Who cares? Who cares? If we don't leave this stuff behind, you will not completely unite with your, your spouse. And I don't care. Listen to me. I don't care how many years you've been married. It doesn't matter. This isn't necessarily a newlywed couple that's been married for only a year. This can, I, I have done counseling with couples that this stuff is dragged up in 10, 15, 20 years of marriage. Because they've never left. It's a half-hearted marriage. And so do everything that leads to this unity, not division. You should have the same everything, same bank account, same name on everything. Do everything together. Do everything that leads to mutual edification, that leads to unity, that breaks you away from the past so that you can focus on your marriage and become united with each other, your marriage is the priority. I heard a pastor say it this way. And I thought it was brilliant. He said, the best thing you could ever give your kids is a great marriage. And I know we live in a very kid-centric society today that, that we just, everything revolves around our kids, our kids, and you know, listen, that's great. We need to encourage our kids. That's, that's, that's fine. I think we're a little bit overindulgent sometimes with our kids, Okay. We all love our kids, okay? Let's just calm down. But what happens at the sake of our kids, we lose sight of our marriage. So that when the kids leave the home, people walk away from each other. and They're like, why are we walking away after 20, 25 years of marriage? I'll tell you why you're walking away after 20, 25 years of marriage. You never had a marriage to begin with. You weren't uniting with each other. It was united around your kids, which can be a temporary glue for that relationship. But if you're not uniting together, it won't stick. It's not going to last. So do everything that leads to uniting that marriage together, to edify in each other. Okay, let's look at the second thing here, because this is important. And this is where Paul really digs into the verse here. And this is where I want to really dig into the verse that Paul says here. How do we have a spirit-filled marriage? And so what does it mean to be to be? Spirit-filled in your marriage. I, what's interesting in this passage of Ephesians chapter 5, if you're, if you're looking there in your Bibles, if you go back to verse 18, just previous of his uh, comments to wives and husbands, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then, mm-hmm. boom, he goes into verse 22 where he says, wives, submit your husbands as unto the Lord, for husbands the ahead of them. And he goes into the whole thing on marriage. This is interesting. I don't think this train of thought that Paul has here. Is, is just haphazard. I think there's a reason behind this because what Paul says here is he says do everything. Don't do anything that's going to lead you straight, but do things that are, you're going to walk in the spirit. It's interesting that he precedes this talk on marriage with this, with this talk about being spirit-filled and submitting to one another. And so what Paul does is he gives us this example of a spirit-filled marriage because in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what a spirit-filled life looks like. This is the basis for a good, healthy marriage. This, is, this has to come before any marriage. And so then what Paul does is he jumps into verse 22 and he says, wives, submit to your own husbands That's unto the Lord. And then the second part, he says the same thing to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives... As Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her that we're supposed to submit to Christ. Do you see the thing there? A spirit filled life is one that submits ultimately to the lordship of Jesus Christ. The reason why most marriages don't work are always at odds with each other is because they don't get this. There's a constant battle of control. There's a constant battle of, I don't want you to take advantage of me. I don't want you to step on me. I want to guard my feelings here. I don't want to become vulnerable because I, because this is what happened to me in my past or my, my dad took advantage of my mom or vice versa or whatever it is. And so what we do is we protect ourselves. But the theme there, the common thread that Paul is saying there, a spirit filled life is one that submits a spirit filled life is one that submits to the Lordship of Christ. It's allowing God to lead you in his spirit And so here is the mark of a spirit-filled marriage. It's all about servanthood. Listen, if you can learn to serve each other, not only in your marriage, but in the church, you'll have a healthy marriage. You'll have a healthy marriage. See, I serve you for this reason, because of what Christ has done for me. I'm not serving you because I have to. Well, I'm serving you because I'm supposed to submit. So I guess I need to serve you. Right? Here's here's what makes a great restaurant and a mediocre one. Here's what makes Chick-fil-A a great restaurant. I haven't talked about Chick-fil-A in a while, so I want to talk about Chick-fil-A because I just love Chick-fil-A. Here's what makes Chick-fil-A a great restaurant. When you go there, you don't feel like you're a bother to the people. And every time you ask something, this is what they say. It is my pleasure. You just feel like, I'm just going to stay here all day. <laughs> and just... It, did you ever go to some restaurants and you just feel like everything you say, you're bothering them? What do you want? You want an extra sweet and sour sauce? Well, it's going to cost you ten dollars and fifty cents. Then, right? It's like, why am I here? Like, I, am I bothering you? Is this you? But you go to Chick Fil A, and they train their employees to make the customer feel like it's it's their pleasure to serve to serve you. It's no wonder that the leaders of Chick Fil A get this because they get it straight out of Scripture, <laughs> because it's a Christian business led by. Christian leaders. See, I serve you because of what Christ has done for me. I have this overwhelming sense of God's grace and mercy in my life. And you can only submit when you have the spirit of Christ in you. And so when I'm spirit filled with the spirit of Christ in me, I gladly serve. It's not an employee employer relationship or subservient. It's a mutual respect and love for each other's well being. And I'll tell you what, gentlemen, when you learn to submit to the Lordship of Christ, your wife is going to come under your spiritual covering. She's not going to come kicking and screaming, she's not going to come with demands. When you start serving like Christ has served the church and gave himself up for her and loves the church and you love your wife like Christ has loved the church, your wife's going to come under that covering because she knows that you love her, that she can be vulnerable, that you are there for her well-being, that you want her to grow in the Lord, that you're not controlling her and making demands on her life but you're loving her the way Christ does and, 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 and preparing her to be the bride of Christ in those last days. Gentlemen, listen to me. Guys, listen to me. That's our job. That's our job. You're preparing your wife to meet her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why you pray with your wife. That's why you encourage her. listen. If there's going to be a negative thing that's going to come out of your mouth, don't say it. Just don't say it. Do everything that causes her to blossom in her walk with the Lord. Let her know where you are all the time. You pick up the phone. When she calls, you pick it up. Do everything that leads to unity. You text her during the day and just say, honey, I'm thinking about you. And I like what I'm thinking about. No, I'm just teasing. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. We're okay. All right. Let's all right. Let's all right. Woo. Okay. So here it is. Listen, here it is. Here it is. It's that mutual respect and love for each other's well-being. And so notice in both verses, the wives submit to the husbands as ultimately unto the Lord. The husbands love your wife as Christ does the church. And Paul uses this marriage illustration as ultimately our relationship with Christ. Jesus gave up everything to reach us. He came to serve us and give his life for us that that he might reach us. And so Jesus fully gives himself to us. Jesus' relationship with us is based on covenantal language, not contractual. So covenantal language says this, I will never leave you or forsake you. Contractual says, do this, that, and the other. And so Jesus doesn't say, okay, you messed up. I'm done with you. You broke the contract. Jesus didn't serve and give his life for us so that later he could hold it over our heads. He gave his life with joy to reach us, to bring us out of sin. And so am I serving my wife to gain control or to manipulate her or use it later to gain a high moral ground? Because then it's not serving. The reason why many of us don't like people doing things for us is this reason. We don't want to lose control or feel in debt to anyone. And you will never come to a saving knowledge of Christ. If you think that way, we are completely dependent on his grace for our salvation. So I want you to look for ways to serve your spouse out of the grace that was poured into your life from Jesus Christ. So let me finish it with this. And then we're going to take communion together as, as a church. And, and I, uh, my prayer is that you're going to take communion a little bit differently today after hearing the words of, of God today and hearing from from what Paul spoke to us from the Holy Spirit. Uh, David Livingstone was a missionary to Africa, and he said this. He said, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. Here's the reason why most marriages aren't working today, is because they're not going forward. I'll bring two couples into my office, and they'll say, well, this, that, and the other, and they'll point, and and here's here's here's, here's what I do. I said, listen, we can dig up the past all day long. How many of us know? A lot of stuff we can dig up on each other, right? A lot of stuff we can dig up on each other, right? My question is this. If Christ laid his life down for us and forgave us, why are we not forgiving each other? And so the question is, not looking back, the question is looking forward. What am I doing to be proactive now, moving forward in our relationship? Not nitpicking over all this stuff, but really saying, what are we doing to be proactive in our marriage so that we can move forward? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff in our pit. Yeah, we made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, we said a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get all that stuff. But make a proactive marriage. So I got homework for you, all right? Here's what I want you to start doing. Don't have your marriage on cruise control any longer. For those of you that are single and maybe you're looking to get married, don't enter into it lightly. Yeah, I know, that you, I know we're looking for those romantic feelings, but make sure it's grounded in the word of God. Make sure that when you're looking for that spouse, that it's somebody that loves the Lord. I mean, that is my prayer for my kids. My prayer for my kids is, God, may they meet someone that just loves Jesus. You've got to be the center of their marriage. I mean, that's constantly Kathleen and myself's prayer all the time. God, let them meet a godly person that loves Jesus. So... Here's some things that you guys can do. There's a great website. We did just a a marriage class a couple years ago from a ministry called Family Life. They're excellent. You can go on their website, and they have great things on their website for uh, blended families, parenting, marriages. They've got a Family Life weekend that's coming up in March right here in Rochester, and I would encourage you guys to sign up for that. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, and I would encourage you be part of that. For those of you that are struggling in your marriage or you want to make your marriage better, I would encourage you to, 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 to go to that and be part of that um, weekend right here in Rochester. It's, it's on March 3rd and 5th, and you can go to Family Life website and find out all about it. But um, here's your homework, right? Here's a date night. And what I want you to do is for, for you couples, for you married couples, I want to make sure that um, you're spending time together. Away from the kids, right? Or if you're in that season of life where you just go out, I hope you're not that couple that just sits at the restaurant table and you say nothing for 20 minutes, right? You just eat. You know, you see that couple. You know, they're just sitting there, and they're just sitting there, and they're just sitting there, and they're just sitting there. So here's some conversation starters. I got. So I got some homework. So take your notes home. Um, Here's some funny things you guys can do together. Just ask each other this question. My funniest memory of our dating days is when. I love this question. Number two, our kids would freak out if they knew we... Uh, but don't tell your kids. It's, that's between you and your spouse. I like number four. I picture us old sitting in a rocking chair and you look over at me and say, gummit, we never... We never jumped out of an airplane, right? We never bungee jumped together. I like number seven. If we could, if I could have any superpower, it would be, mine would be to be Aquaman. We don't talk about Aquaman too much. I would love just to be Aquaman. If I could eat anything, it would not affect my health. I would feast on... I like number 10. I feel most, I feel you love me most when you... That's a great question to ask each other. It's interesting when you... Understand each other the way each other loves. You understand where each other's coming from. So if you tell each other, "Hey, you know what? When you when you did that for me, you really made me feel loved and appreciated." You got to share it with each other and appreciate each other and encourage each other. See, having a spirit-filled marriage is concentrating on what Christ has done for us in the great magnitude and his grace and his mercy that he poured out on us that we pour that out on each other. I want you to have a great marriage. I don't want you to have a mediocre marriage. I don't want you just to have a good marriage. I want you to have a great marriage that God is thriving through. So we're not here to beat each other up because all of us struggle we're here to say, God, help us, because we want to honor you and submit to you. So as we come to the table of the Lord today, here's what I want us to do. Before we take communion today, Jesus says, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of what I did for you. And we, we remember that Christ died for us and gave his life for our sins. And Paul even says, before you take this to the church in Corinth, he said, make sure you examine your heart before you come to the table. Just don't come haphazardly. So let's examine our hearts. And if if there's something that you need to ask for forgiveness in your marriage with your spouse, I would do that. If there's something that you need to ask forgiveness in the Lord, like, God, I didn't handle this right, or I'm not, Lord, just forgive me. I want to submit to you. I hear what your word says. I need to work on this. Let me be a better husband or a better wife to my spouse. God, God, work on this in my heart, in my life. So, so let's do that as we as we honor the Lord and what he did for us. So let's pray, and let me pray for you now and pray for your life and pray for the marriages as we we take communion today lord we just come before you and we're honored to remember what you did for us and i just pray right now for all of us here god if there's anything in our hearts that we need to offer to you in forgiveness for forgiveness god we do that now we ask for your forgiveness i pray for every marriage here that you would strengthen that you would bind them together with cords that could not easily be broken that forgiveness And love would be offered in areas that need to be offered, God, and the things that we struggle with and the things that we've done. God, I pray that you would cover that through your precious blood. Thank you for your forgiveness today. So as we take communion today, we honor you, and we thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to take communion together. So just wait till the ushers, after they serve you, we'll take communion Uh, At the end, uh, together as the body of Christ and just uh, worship with the worship team as they serve you. God bless you as they serve you this morning.